Uh, this morning, Lord willing, we'll finish out the chapter in verse 31 through 39. Last week, boy, what a what a phenomenal passage. If you weren't with us last week, if you haven't heard that message, I don't always do this, but I'd encourage you to go back to listen to that online or on our website or grab a CD if you still play those CDs. We don't have a cassette, but there's CDs in there for that. And uh, we saw last week, amongst other things, that the Holy Spirit helps us with our weaknesses through groanings and intercessions and prayers for us. We saw that not all things are good on our life, but God works all things for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. And He does that through the Holy Spirit interceding. He done that, does that as well through the foreknowledge of those who would come to Him, whom He's predestined to be conformed to the image of a son. And we saw those things that he's working for good. The ultimate good is him conforming us to the image of his son, us being predestined to that in Christ Jesus. And those he predestined, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Now this morning, as we continue on, Paul says, uh, what then shall we say to these things? The things we looked at last week, as well as this whole chapter 8, these glorious things, which we'll do a real quick recap of. And I know I can't even recap all of them because they're so good. But it's really just a chapter amongst many chapters. You know what, really telling us who we are in Christ, the blessings we have in Him, the inheritance we have in Him, and so forth. And so the question asks, what shall we say to these things? And he goes through just a, a glorious, a glorious amount of truth here. First of all, you know what, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's what we say to these things. God is for us. Are you in Christ this morning? God is for you. And if he's for us, who can be against us? And the answer is no one. The question is asked, who can condemn us? No one, because we're justified by Christ. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? No one. We're going to see in all these things. We're not just conquerors, but praise God, we're more than conquerors. And we're going to see that Paul was absolutely persuaded. And I pray this morning we will leave here more persuaded that literally nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the key, in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, in Him alone, because He is our Lord and our Savior. So let's read the passage together here. <clears throat> then we'll make our way down and... I just pray God meets us where we're at in a phenomenal way in this Bible study. So verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is he condemns? Who, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword as it is written? For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go eat pancakes. No, we'll talk about it. <laughs> so much there. Not a glorious, glorious. Aren't you already encouraged? What awesome truth. So again, he starts, what then shall we say to these things? You know what, these things that we've been looking at here in Romans chapter 8, which amongst other things include, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We're free from the law of sin and death. We're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. We receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Did anyone cry out, Abba, Father, at all this week? (laughs) We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We are saved into the hope of our resurrection and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we just talked about, we have the Holy Spirit who helps us with our weaknesses, with groanings and intercessions. And then I'm just going to read verse 28 down through 30. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these also he justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? These phenomenal things. This glorious inheritance. What can we conclude in looking at these things? And Paul says, this is my conclusion. If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, in Christ Jesus, God is for you. That's a big deal, is it not? I mean, think about that. Think about, you know, when you're doing something in life and everyone's like, hey, everyone's rooting for you, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah everyone's rooting for me. And, you know, I guess that can be an encouragement, maybe give you a little steam to press on a little bit more. Boy, what a difference, though, between everyone rooting for you and God is for you. Look, at when God's for you, he's not only rooting for you, he's empowering you every step along the way. He's there to pick you up when you fall down. He's absolutely there to give you direction, to give you guidance, to give correction, to give grace, to supply all our needs, to go before us. God is for us. The Almighty God in heaven is for us. God Almighty is for you in Christ Jesus. God who made it all. All this beauty around us, God's the one who made it. He is for you. God who holds it all together in Him, all things consist. God who's going to judge it all, who's on the throne, He is for you. For you, God who can put anything and anyone down just at his word. Jesus Christ, who there at the Sea of Galilee, when the storm is raising, raging and those experienced fishermen were on there and they were crying out, we're going to die, we're going to die. At his word, a total calm came to that sea. That God is for you. Look at when Assyria was surrounded jerusalem there in the day of hezekiah and they were besieging that city and they were so overwhelmed they cried out to god and god in one night sent an angel forth and slew 185,000 assyrians that were there to try to snuff out the promise of the coming christ that god is for you god almighty is for you god who died for your sins God who has conquered sin, death, Satan, hell, and the world is for you. God who has resurrected, God who will resurrect us, who was and is and is to come, is for you. 
as we are in Christ Jesus. Now here this morning, we're talking about those in Christ Jesus. If God is for us, the us there is those that are in Christ. He's not talking about the general population here. Let's get that straight. If God is for us, those in Christ Jesus. Are you part of the us this morning? Is he your Lord and Savior this morning? Well, God is for us. Because here's the truth. He's either for you or against you. And if you're in Christ, he is for you. If you are not in Christ, listen, he's against you. He's not against you coming to him, but you're at war with him. You're at enmity with him because of your sin. And there's no middle ground whatsoever. It's not in the sense that he's against you, not wanting to draw you to himself, not wanting to save you, but your sin separates you from God and you're at odds with God Almighty, at war with God, we read in the word of God. James 4, 6 says he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And there's no more of a prideful position than one that is not trusted in Jesus Christ. I don't care if they're the most meek, humble person you're going to run into in life. If you are outside of Jesus Christ, you are walking in pride because you have not bent your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who sustains you, the one that gives you life, the one that brings every provision for you. Humble your heart, man, and call upon Christ Jesus. In fact, he says in verse 7, Therefore submit to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He's either for you or against you. And this is based on whether you are for him or against him. Are you for him this morning? Have you put your trust in him this morning? Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty three, 23, He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. But praise God in Christ, he is for us. And if you're not in Christ, absolutely. He went to the cross to make the way of salvation for you. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Draw near to God, submit to God, and let the Lord save you and wash you. And so you can step back and say, yes, I know in full confidence God is for me because I am in Christ Jesus. And so if God is for us, he's for us, amen, who can be against us? And think about this again, if God is for us, the almighty God is for us, who can really be against us? Well, you're like, oh, that devil's against me. Oh, the world's against me. And I I even wage a war against my own flesh that's in a way against me. But here's the thing, when God is for you, if all hell rallies against you this day, it's really as nothing, you know why? Because of God. (laughs) Because God is for you. I was re- listening to one of our uh, radio programs the other day. It was uh, Generations with Kevin Swanson. Great, great program. So many good things we got on there. Encourage you to be listening to that station to get ministered to. Encourage hearing so many praise reports about it. But they were talking about pastors today not preaching against the sins of the nation. And he says, if you're going to be a pastor that's going to speak against the sins of the nation, calling our nation to repent and turn to Christ, Satan is going to be out for you. He's going to be out for you, trying to get you. Well, we've been talking about the sins of the nation for years around here. You know what? Calling, you know what? uh, Us to repentance, our nation repents and so forth. And, And when he said that, and he said it with a real authority and a truth, because there's a truth there. Listen, when I heard that, I kind of went like that. 
And I'm like, oh, man, yeah, you know what? That's true. And listen, that's a glorious, truthful declaration. But if you just take that out of the context of Scripture, that declaration, it can make you want to shrink back because, boy, all the more the devil's going to try to get you. And I've heard people over the years, man, tone down, man. You're going to stir up the devil. The devil don't like that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If God is on the throne, if God is ruling and reigning and high and so forth, we just look to God. Because this is like a pea shooter of the devil versus, you know, at a nuclear arsenal of God Almighty. If God is for us, who can be against us? And think about it. Even in those things that come against us, from the wicked one, the world, sometimes even within the body of Christ, within our own selves. Here's the thing, God's for us who can be against us because we saw last week, God works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. So every bit of spiritual warfare we may go through, God uses it for good. Every conflict, God uses it for good. For again, those that love him. Those that are called according to his purposes. We established last week what that is. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we talked about, look at the desire is at the minimum to keep the commandments. As Paul said, I desire to absolutely walk in the life all short of it. But that's my desire. Those are those that love God who are called according to his purposes. Those who are called upon Christ. That's the only ones you know who are called for sure, those that have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he works all things for good. So even of those things that are stacked up against us, let me ask you this morning, do you feel like there's anything stacked up against you? You ever come to that place? You know, identify with the Israelites. I feel like the, you know, the, the seas here and the army of the Egyptians over here and I got nowhere to go. Oh, what am I going to do? It's all against me. I feel like everyone's against me. Everyone who works against me. Everyone of my homes against me. All the devils of hell are against me. Oh, what am I going to do? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If God's for you, who can be against you? Because even all those adversities and everything, that's what we're learning in this chapter, God is working it for good. So even in their efforts to destroy, God says, I'm going to use this for good to build up. Boy, having this proper perspective can absolutely revolutionize and change your life and the way that you think. Because I run into certain people, and boy, every, every time they're just kicking rocks, everyone's against me. Oh, they're all against me. It's just not fair. They're all, well, is God for you, man? So if God's for you, who can be against you? Nobody, because he's God Almighty. We talked about this last week, but I'll hit on it again. We saw this with Joseph. Again, his own brothers forsook him. They threw him in a pit. They were deciding what to do, whether to kill him or, you know what, uh, come up with some other means against them. They eventually sold them to their cousins into slavery. They sold them into Egypt, into slavery. We saw them eventually get falsely accused of assault, got thrown into a prison and so forth. But while I was in that prison, God had given them gifts and he interpreted some dreams. Those guys forsook them too. But later on, Pharaoh had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream, you know, of some cows and some corns and so forth. And he needed someone to interpret. And they said, we remember a guy named Joseph. He can interpret dreams. And they brought him out and he interpreted those dreams of that seven years of famine and seven years of plenty. Then Pharaoh said, I need someone to oversee our kingdom and all this. How about you, Joseph? 
And God moved them up into second command. And here's where a lot of people stop. They say, oh, all worked for good. Boy, Joseph was in a glorious spot. Glor- Joseph conquered the world. And he had that big mansion. And he had that big yacht. And he had all that stuff. No, that's not the ultimate good God was working for. That might be God just blessing practically. And he does that. And he just supplies our needs. Look at that was God Almighty using him to save lives. Conforming Joseph on all that time to put him in a place to walk in wisdom so lives could be saved, Israel can be preserved, who Christ came through, who died on the cross to save us, who now is conforming us to the image of himself. Genesis fifty twenty. Joseph said to his brothers, But as for you, you meant evil against me. So again, they were against him. They are against their brother, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is as it is this to as it is this day to save many people alive. If God is for you, if you're in Christ Jesus, God is for you. Who can be against you? Look at stand at that and start taking those thoughts captive. Oh, they're all the world's against us. Oh, you know, Gavin Newsom, he's against, he's against the church. Oh, Joe Biden's against. Oh, that Fauci, he's against us. Look at God's for me, man. God is for us. Who can be against us? And they might be against us, but God's greater than all that. God will work it for good in the lives of his people. Paul's persuaded of these things. Are you persuaded of them this morning? Paul says, I'm thoroughly convinced. I'm persuaded. If you're not fully persuaded, Look at I pray by the time we're done, you'll be more persuaded. I hope the needle at least moves a bit for all of us this morning. We leave here a little bit more persuaded. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with them also freely give us all things? Again, the father gave the greatest gift of his son. He delivered his son up. Not only into the world born of a virgin as prophesied, but absolutely more so. This is talking about him being delivered up to the cross. What a glorious picture of his love. We've talked about it throughout this book, throughout this letter, this epistle. God's great love, this great demonstration. He didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. John 3, 16, think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we read earlier there in our study in Romans, Romans 5, 6 through 9. He says, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. But scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. See, he sent his son to die for us when we were in gross sin, when we were in rebellion. And Paul makes the point here. You know, someone would scarcely die for a righteous man, lay down his life, you know, for some hero, someone with some just cause. But who would die for sinners? I mean, who would send their son to die for vile sinners? You look around our world today and there's just, every single day, if you follow the news cycle at all, you know what, uh, and I, I know most of it's just 
nonsense commentary, but you can kind of decipher a bit of what's going on. And it just seems like every single day there's some, you know, an unspeakable act that's done, that's committed, that's in the news cycle. I have several of them listed in my notes, but listen, I don't really feel led to read them because there's just so like, this is just, you know, depravity. This is just grossness and so forth. But as I was thinking about this and thinking about some of these despicable acts and just read of some despicable acts yesterday of, of, a, of a school teacher, just what he was doing in this classroom, just despicable. And then I asked the question, would I send my son to die for that guy? I'll tell you myself, there ain't no way. In fact, with the one act that was talking about, I, I said to my wife, man, if back in high school, if that dude would do that, I would have beat the tar out of him in the middle of the class right there. No, you wouldn't have. You would have called the police first. No, I would have beat him up first. And then, but that's back then. You know, I'm in Christ now. But would you send your son to die for such a person? Listen. He died for us while we were still in our sin. He delivered his son up. He didn't spare his son when we were in rebellion. Remember, sin, sin before God. It's all despicable before him. When you see those vile acts, let's grieve for those people. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for our nation. But let's remember outside of Jesus Christ, that's where I am. So he didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all when we were in our sin. And here's the thing. If he gave the greatest gift, how shall he not, in addition, give us all things? How shall he not with them also freely give us all things? So if he didn't withhold his son, will he withhold anything else? This is what Paul's throwing out here. He's going to supply all our need here on earth. He's given us all good things in Christ. He's given us all the everlasting things. Second Peter 1, 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As His divine power, notice here, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness to the knowledge of Him who's called us by glory and virtue. Anything you need, God's going to supply that need. You're like, but I, I need this and I don't have it. Well, you probably don't need it then. <laughs> Or maybe the time he's not right for it yet. But absolutely. He doesn't hold back from his children. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He gave a son. He's going to supply all things, all the things we need, all the things promised in Scripture. He's not going to withhold any of those things. And praise God, the glorious thing about all this, he gives it all for free. He laid down his life for free. Our salvation is for free. All these things that are available for free. Isaiah 51, 1, ho, says, notice there, ho, says it like that. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. All you who have no money. And some say, well, I got a lot of money. Look, at that's monopoly money. That money don't work. All you have no money. That's all of us. We're bankrupt in our stinking sin. Come and buy and eat. 
Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Speaking about Christ. And then Revelation twenty two seventeen, and the spirit and the bride say, come, let him who hears, let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come, whoever desires, let him come take the water of life. Notice here freely. It's all free and it's got to be free because we don't have the means to again purchase any of it in our sin and our depravity and our darkness, sons and daughters of wrath because of our sin we were completely, absolutely bankrupt. But it's all been purchased for us. 1 Peter 1.17 And if you call on the Father, have you called on the Father? Who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Notice, notice verse 18. Knowing that you are not redeemed. To be redeemed, it means to be purchased. To be purchased out of slavery. To have your debt paid. You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers. But with what? But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He sent his son to pay the penalty of our debt. And so, listen, he paid the penalty of our debt. He's also absolutely going to freely give us all things. That's a glorious, glorious truth. A lot of encouragements here, I'll tell you. Notice verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Are you God's elect this morning? Looking to be elected, it means you're his favorite. And it means you're chosen. Not good to know. We're the elect in Christ Jesus. We're his favorite. Well, who's his favorite? I'm his favorite. And you can say, no, no, I'm his favorite. It means he, you are his favorite and you are chosen. And we saw last week, who are those that are chosen? Who are those that were, you know what, predestined? Well, it says God has foreknowledge. And God foreknew as he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, as he's manifests the knowledge of himself on every single soul, as he's the light of the world before every man, he knows those that are chosen are those who respond to that call and those who choose him. We are his chosen. We are his elect. We are predestined in Christ Jesus. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect who shall bring a charge no one john three thirty six. he who believes in the son has everlasting life he who does not believe in the son shall not see life but the wrath of god abides on him in christ jesus we're washed in christ jesus 
the wrath has gone away. Our debt's been paid. We are justified. It's just as if we had not sinned. Our books are clean. Our balance is absolutely balanced in the books. So who should bring a charge of any kind? Who shall condemn God's elect and have it stick? Now listen, there's a lot who bring charges, are there not? We read in Revelation 12.10, the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night. Day and night, Satan's bringing accusations against us, trying to bring charges against us, trying to bring condemnation against us. Look at the world is going to bring condemnation and charges against the body of Christ. You see it all the time. Shouldn't take us by surprise. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he should be like his teacher and a servant like his master. And then the Lord said, if they call the master of the house Beelzebub, which is another name for Satan, how much more will they call those of his household? There's a lot of charges and accusation against the church today, against the body of Christ today. If you're going to preach Christ crucified and raised from the dead and be fundamental and say marriage is a man and a woman and holy matrimony. The only way to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ who died for our sins. God's word is God's holy book, period. Truth is found there from God and there only, period. You're going to have some accusations brought against you. You're going to have some charges brought against you. Sadly, at times, other Christians going to bring charges against you as well think about paul second corinthians 10 10 the very church that god used paul to plant was now bringing accusation against paul because false teachers had come in with a false gospel and they are trying to tear down paul so they could get established with their false teachings they say for his letters are weighty and powerful But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. (laughs) I relate to Paul sometimes. I'm just making words up and whatnot. Accusation brought against him. And sometimes we even do it to ourselves. You ever like bring a charge against yourself? A condemnation against yourself? Not to say that we shouldn't examine ourselves and be honest before God. But 1 John 3.20, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. We're justified in Christ Jesus. So if you're justified in Christ, it's just as if you had not sinned. Who's going to bring a charge against you? The devil does, but the Lord intercedes and says, no, they're washed, they're cleansed. It's after they have not sinned at all. And then he says, who is he who condemns? A lot of people bring condemnation. Really, the only one who can condemn and will condemn is Christ Jesus. He is the judge. And if you're outside of Jesus Christ, you will be condemned by Christ according to his word. But the one who condemns has made the means of salvation, the means to be justified. As he says here, it's Christ who died. Furthermore, is also risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Again, Christ lived a sinless life. He died for our sins to pay our debt. He rose from the grave and defeated death. The wages of our sin is death. Christ died. He rose. He defeated death. He ascended to the Father at the right hand of the Father. And what's he do now? The life he lives now. He lives unto God the Father doing what? Making intercessions for us. 
24-7. Notice again, Revelation 12-10, For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. This is a prophetic time to come soon. But it says, They overcame them by what? The blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to death. And listen, if you take the blood of the Lamb out of that, you got nothing. The blood of the Lamb brings the testimony. The, love, the blood of the Lamb brings again the, the love of Christ, even over the love of our own life. And the blood of Christ makes that intercession. We are covered by the life of Christ. The blood of Jesus is interceding for us at every single turn. And Jesus himself lives, as we read in Hebrews 7.25, he always lives to make intercession for them or for us. The Lord Jesus is making intercession for you. The Holy Spirit is making intercession for you with groans and moanings and absolutely prayers and so forth. And so is Christ Jesus. Right now, as we're out here right now, the Lord is making intercessions for us. He lives to do that. Isn't that good news? Look, that's an encouragement. That should be a pick-me-up this morning. If you came in, oh, everyone's against me. Well, you already learned God's for you. If he's for you, who can be against you? And now you're learning you're justified. You're being reminded of that. And you're being reminded the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you. And so does God Almighty. He makes intercession for you. Jesus Christ makes intercession. He lives to do it. Now, a little side note here. If Jesus and the Holy Spirit continually make intercession for us, and we're called to be like Christ, what's that mean that we should be doing? We should be making intercessions as well, should we not? We should be making intercessions for others. We should be a people of prayer. Again, Romans 6.10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. So we know Christ died for our sins. He rose from the grave. Well, what's he doing now? But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon your reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to god in christ jesus so recognize yourself now to be alive unto god living your life unto god and if christ is living his life unto god the father and that includes make intercession that means we should be a people who are making intercession let me ask you truthfully are you a man and woman or woman of prayer today If you're not, it's time to start fearing God and praying. (laughs) To fear God is to depart from evil and to walk in the way of the Lord. If the way of the Lord is a, a, a prayer life of intercession, that means our life should be marked by such as well. James 5, 16, look at our prayers aren't in vain. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man, it availeth much. And that was verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? God the Father loves you. God the Son loves you. God the Father, look at He didn't spare His own Son, but delivered Him up. And Christ willingly came to lay down His life for us. 1 John 4, 9, In this the love of God was manifest toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. And Jesus Himself said in John fifteen thirteen. 
Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. We are in that love in Christ Jesus. We got grafted in when we called out to the Lord, when we responded to the conviction of the Spirit of God. We responded to the gospel. And so we asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now again, that accuser that comes along, he loves to whisper in the ear, I'm going to separate you from the love of Christ. Or you're in this situation and they're all against you because they're all against you right now. You're separated from the love of Christ. You're out on an island right now and God's lost sight of you. And so you're separated from the love of Christ. Or the day is going to come when God's just going to get tired of your struggles and walk away and you're going to be separated from the love of Christ. Does anyone ever wrestle with those things? Have you ever been there in that season? Well, Paul asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ that we're in by grace alone, through faith alone, and Him alone? I know the devil would love to do that. He'd love to separate you if you can't, if he could. There's many God-haters that would love to do that. We know Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Paul goes through this laundry list of things that, you know, can even at times make us feel like we're separated from the love of Christ when we're going through them. But he asked the question, can tribulation? We've been reading throughout this epistle, we're promised tribulations, we're promised sufferings and so forth. And we've seen those sufferings are not in vain, but they're to conform us to the image of Christ. God's doing a good work through those things, but can tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? A tribulation, it means to be under a pressure or affliction or to be anguished, to be burdened. It means to be persecuted. It means to face troubles. But none of those things can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Can distress. That means a calamity. It's the picture of narrowness. Again, that idea of being between a rock and a hard place. Can that separate you from the love of God and Christ? Persecution. Famine. You know, it means a scarcity of food or hunger. There's all this talk right now of, you know what, perhaps future food shortages. Can that separate us from the love of Christ? Nakedness or nudity. You know, being stripped of coverings and so forth pearl or danger and we're living in perilous times can a sword which would mean war or punishment wars and rumors of wars can those things separate us from the love of christ look at no one can separate you you being believers in christ from the love of christ nothing can do that listen to what jesus said john 10 27 my sheep hear my voice and i know them And they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Hear this. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I am my father are one. You're in Jesus's hand and the father's got his hand on you as well. I think you're pretty secure in there in Christ Jesus. You look at our world around us and it just seems like everyone's running around trying to find security here on earth. People yearn for security. Look at man was created in the garden and given great security. He was put in a place of paradise. He had a perfect marriage after God, you know what, formed woman out of his side. 
He had a perfect walk and relationship with God. Perfect provisions and so forth. He was perfectly secured. God said, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Man ate of that tree, wanted to be like God. And that security suddenly was stripped from him. And to me, he says, I got to find security. Where's some fig leaves I can show, I can, you know, sew up to try to give me some security concerning my sin. Man is running around trying to find security. Think about how much emphasis is put on, you know, security. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying there's not a place, you know what, to, to, to be a good steward of your finances and for a home and those types of things. But those things can be gone like that. But so many people, they're just running around security. They work their whole life, you know, to get a retirement so they'll be secure when they're old, when they can't work anymore. And those things are blessings practically, not saying that they're not. But absolutely, you see the world yearning for security that was lost in the garden. But here's the thing. All these securities, they are fleeting. And all these securities, they absolutely will fail you eventually. Proverbs 23, 5. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. They do. They come and they go. Look at in Christ Jesus, we have the greatest security on earth and hell or in heaven. Absolutely, we have it all in him. God's going to supply all our needs. You're like, but I want more than my needs. So I need that worldly security. Look at if you need it, he's going to supply it. We have all the security in the world in Christ Jesus. If you need another breath to live, God's going to supply it. If it's time to go home, God's going to take you home and he's going to supply the means home and he's already done it through the shed blood of his lamb. We have all the security we need in him. Look at once you're really in, when there's real repentance, real saving faith, you are in you're in you got eternal life now here's the thing not all who think they're in are really in and you need to make sure you are in that you've put your faith in christ jesus you're like i don't like this steve i just like the idea i'm in i'm in i know i'm in i do whatever i want but i like the idea of being in look at make sure he is your lord and your savior you're only in through him but faith needs to be in him First John 2.18, little children, it is the last hour, and as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were never of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Look at real saving faith has and is an enduring faith. Doesn't mean there are not going to be ups and downs. Look at Almost every Christian I know, one point or another, backslid in their life. But God was faithful to them. He's faithful to us. And when we are in Him, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He'll leave the 99 to go search you out and find you. But make sure you're in. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself, whether you're in the faith, test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. He qualifies us. Not believing in him disqualifies us. But in him nothing can separate us from his love. Even our own shortcomings and struggles and so forth. But make sure you're in. 
Make sure you're somebody, oh, don't preach that, Steve. People don't want to hear that. No. Look, at if the Lord comes today, I want every person that names Refuge Church as their home church to be gone and in that rapture. I want to see anyone left behind. I want to see anyone showing up. Where are they all at? No, we're all gone. We're all out. We all get on the bus and we go together. Amen. That all the neighbors see, they don't know. All they see here is tumbleweeds going through. And I already given, I've already given the Mormons permission to come take the building back. It's like it's every dime it was built, you can come have it back now. It's yours. Do with it what you want. I got a mansion in heaven. I'll be worshiping up, up in the new Jerusalem. No more retaining walls to be built on this slope of a property here. Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. So it was prophesied, Psalm 44, 22, some would be martyred for Christ. And it's been happening since the church was birthed. Like sheep birthed for the slaughter, some are birthed for martyrdom. Look, at on top of that, we are called to die daily to the flesh and present ourselves to God. We've been looking at this in this book. Some look at this and just say, oh, yeah, man, that day might come. I have to lay down my life for the Lord. Oh, God, give me strength. And I agree, give us strength in that day. But here's the thing. We're called to die today, to die to self today. Hopefully you're familiar with that concept as a believer in Christ Jesus. Again, we don't get saved to go back and make it my aim to do as I will and live for my sin. I died with Christ on the cross. I'm a new creation. And as the life Christ lives, he lives unto God now. The life I live is to be lived unto God now. And to live unto God now, it means I got to die daily to my flesh that wants to do what it wants to do. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know what happens on a cross? You get crucified. You die there. He says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Look at, consider that when you examine yourself. Am I a follower of Christ? Jesus said, if you desire to come after me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. And then we read earlier in the chapter, Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And to walk according to the Spirit, it means you've got to put down that flesh every day and say, I'm here to live for God. It's not me first, it's He first. It's the Lord first. Yet even in that, and trials and distresses and perils and martyrdoms and even dying daily. He says, yet in all these things, and all these things that can look like defeat, we're actually more than conquerors through him who loved us. Look at a conqueror is to gain a decisive victory, and we're even more than that in Christ Jesus. You're like, victory over what? Sin, death, Satan, hell, the world. We're more than conquerors over all of those things. Look, at even in death, we have victory before God, and that's all that matters, even if it looks like defeat before men. If martyrdom looks like defeat before men, 
Look at its victory before God. It's being more than a conqueror before God. 1 Corinthians 15.55, O death, where's your sting? O Hades, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think about Stephen. He was stoned for preaching the gospel of Christ. And he saw heaven open up and the Son of God at the right hand of the Father. And he committed his spirit to the Lord and he forgave those folks and the Lord received them up. Look, that's being more than a conqueror. Even if all those that thrown stones at him said, we win, we've trampled them. Oh no, Stephen is the one that won. And even dying daily can look like defeat to men. Look, the natural man, the idea of denying yourself and living for the Lord, they're like, oh, that's a horrible life. Go do what you want to do, man. Your life's short. You know what? Go out and eat and drink and be merry and pursue, you know, pursue your heart. Whatever your heart, whatever your heart says to do, go do it. That's really bad counsel. Really bad counsel. Now, if God lays it on your heart, absolutely go forward in the strength of God. But dying daily and living for the Lord, it looks like defeat to men. But let me tell you, any other life lived is a wasted life. Proverbs 29, 27, read this the other day in my devotion. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but hear this, he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. world looks like, you guys are a bunch of losers. But O Solomon, there in Ecclesiastes 12, 8, vanities of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And then in verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So again, the world says, man, you look like losers. But in truth, we are walking in victory. We're more than conquerors. Let's live that way in Christ. Amen. Let's walk in who we are in Christ Jesus. Let's live our lives unto Him. And then finally, you're 38 and 39. He says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord Paul says, I am I am persuaded. I'm convinced. Listen, God wants you to be persuaded and convinced as well. He wants you to rest in the blessed assurance of the salvation you have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that indeed He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you, and nothing can separate you from Him. Do you believe that today? Neither death nor life. Anything that we come across in life, Any life that's out there cannot separate me from the love of God. And here's a huge one. Death cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we're living in a world where, man, people are just running around fearful of death at every single turn. And here's the thing. If Christ isn't your Lord, you should be fearful of death. Because if you think this life's bad outside of Christ, you're going to be plummeted into an eternal hell because you refuse to bend knee to Jesus Christ. But in the Lord, 
do not fear death. We don't need to fear death. We're in God's hands. Our days are appointed for us. If you're supposed to be around today, you're going to be around today. If you're supposed to be around tomorrow, guess what? You're going to be around tomorrow. He's the one that gives you breath. He's the one that moves the muscles that contract your lungs. You have no control over it. God's the one that moves those things. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. If you have a fear of death, you need to lay that down before Christ because in Christ Jesus, the grave has been conquered and God has appointed your days. Rest in God, man. Know you're in God's hands. Look, at lay that burden down and take up your cross and go live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. No doubt, fallen angels, demons, and their lies. They love to try to scare us into believing they can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Much of my young life was dealing with demons convincing me or trying to convince me that they had separated me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. They can't, though. Look, let me tell you, the devil's greatest weapon, it's just lies. Intimidation. Bully tactics. Read this the other day on Isaiah, so good. Isaiah 14, it's about Lucifer and his fall. As well as his fate and his future. Isaiah 14, 15, talking about the devil. You shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Who made the world a wilderness and destroyed its cities? Who did not open the house of the prisoners? This is him? That, that, but it was made out to be so much. That's what? This is it? Boy, he loves to puff up his chest. Ah, I'm going to come get you. And I think as Christians, oftentimes, we add to that by, oh, boy, what a great book on spiritual warfare and that devil. Ah, you know, and it's a real thing and so forth. And outside of the Lord, you're gonna, you'll, you'll get run roughshod over. But in Christ Jesus, if God's for me, who can be against me? Look at his greatest tactic are just lies. Stand on the truth, man, and put him down. And some say, oh, be careful, Steve, how you're talking. You're going to stir them up. They're already stirred up. But my God's always already risen up. They can't separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, so-and-so put a curse on him. Surely that's going to make his faith faint and fail and he'll be separated because oh in the ancestry there's a few witches no 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 who can separate me from the love of god in christ jesus hear this no one but god god is greater it's a pea shooter versus nukes and that doesn't even you know it begin to describe how vast the gap between the two of them are look at north things present north things to come so many are fainting in today and so many are fainting about tomorrow. What's going to come next? What's on the horizon? We need to be careful even as Christians 
You know, there's a lot of prophecy teachers that do a glorious and a very good job pointing people to the coming of Christ. Oftentimes, though, people ask their opinion, as many of them are experts in certain areas and so forth, foreign affairs and government issues and so forth. And sometimes they'll say, well, look at it, my opinion. Next year is going to look nothing like this year. And surely, you know what, by the end of this year, we're going to be wiped out. You know what, if you ask my opinion. And it's easy for someone to hear that and go, oh, woe is me. It's all going to fall apart. And here's the thing. Listen, God's in control, man. And even as you have all these players and this guy's doing that and he's doing that, they can't do anything unless God allows it. You need to take that into the equation when you hear people chatter. God's in control. And nothing present nor anything to come. Whatever's coming next, whatever they're trying to cook up next, if God even allows them to bring it out, look it, it can't separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nor height, nor depth. To me, that would be where you're at. Hear this this morning, saint. California cannot separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. I got to get out of California. California can't separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now you go where God's calling you to go. But look at if you're running out of a fear, nor height, nor death. Look at it can't separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you this as well. The devil's working in every state out there, just so you know. Well, he ain't working out there. Yeah, he is. He's bringing all those Californians in. (laughs) You're going to be blue before you know it. You laugh, but there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of these conservatives leaving, they're a lot more liberal than they actually really realize. Because when old Bubba has his tractor on center blocks, guess what? You know what? Over in California, you're not allowed to do that. How conservative are you? You get with Bubba up there with all his, you know, tractors on center blocks and, you know, at a, his front yard looking like a junkyard? I digress. <laughs> Nor any other creative thing. So, in other words, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank with that thing that, you know, it makes your knees knock. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, I'm persuaded. Maybe you're saying, I want to get more persuaded. Hopefully you've been more persuaded this morning. You want to get more persuaded, though? Press on in Jesus Christ. Let God show you his faithfulness time and time and time again. Get in God's word. Get your mind renewed. Get in that prayer closet. Get near to the Lord. You'll get more and more and more and more persuaded. Let's stand up. We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless you this day. We just thank you, God, for a glorious morning, God. Thank you, Lord, for that sun shining down on us. I might be wrong, but Lord, it sounded like for a second it was sprinkling on us out here a bit too. Love that sound of that sprinkle hitting that tent. Love the sound, God, of just praises from your people. We thank you that you're so good. We thank you for the security in Christ. Look at if you're not in him today, call on his name. You need to get washed of your sin. You need to humble your heart before your maker and cry out to him for mercy and grace and put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and he'll meet you where you're at. 
Lord, let us finish well in worship and praise. And then, Lord, bless the food over there to our bodies as we partake of that. Let's worship the Lord here. Food's been prayed for. Just go down the ramp and wrap around. And there's tables out in the playground over here. You can eat in these chairs. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.